Hey y'all, welcome back to the Boost Podcast for our second AMA episode. This is Jen Ely here with Father Bruce, and hello, we're going to be talking about the Blessed Sacrament. Awesome, beautiful topic today. Okay, Father, we are talking about the Blessed Sacrament. We've gotten a couple of questions in regards to um, the Blessed Sacrament in particular, you know, instances and particular ways. Awesome. But why don't we start with an overview? Because that's just always really helpful, I think, in going into these very specific points on these topics. So where in the catechism are we looking um, when we want to know more about Jesus as as he is in the Eucharist. Beautiful question. And for that, we go to Catechisms number 13, 22 through 14, 19 for that overall section that deals with the Blessed Sacrament and the Mass. Yeah. Because, Jen, we can't talk about the Blessed Sacrament without talking about the Mass because mm-hmm. the Mass is that vessel, is that uh, beautiful um, instrument that the Blessed Sacrament comes to us uh where heaven and earth meet. It's because right. of the mass. They are very, very in, inextricably linked yeah. to the each The source other. and summit, right, of our faith is, is the mass. And because from it comes the Holy Eucharist, mm-hmm. our Lord himself, present body, blood, soul, and divinity. Yes, you're going to be able to play a game with how many times we say that phrase, yeah. body, blood, soul, soul and, and divinity. divinity, because it's so important. Um, and I think one of the really important points within that giant chunk of the catechism because that's like a hundred points that's in the a lot, catechism. Yeah. so don't get overwhelmed if you decide that you want to do some reading and you see that and it makes you go like gulp like uh, it's, <laughs> it's okay it's a lot um but point uh, catechism section 1336 t- tells us that the eucharist and the cross are two very important things for us as catholics but they are two of the most intense stumbling blocks. Um, it is. Because they're both very, again, very deeply linked. They're of the same mystery. Mm-hmm. And it's sometimes an occasion for division. Um, and to receive uh, to receive in faith this gift of the Eucharist or to understand the cross is to receive the gift of the Lord himself. And that is something that is uh, very difficult for a lot of people to kind of wrap their minds around, even Catholics. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, that's kind of some overview stuff that we, you know, just kind of want to give you right off the bat in case this is something that you want to dive more deeply into. Um, so, Father, why don't we look at the first question that we sure, got, sure. which was um, the question of, so if it's the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ, why does the Eucharist still taste like bread and mm. taste like wine? All right. Well, that's because of the philosophical uh, <laughs> terms we're going to throw out there of, of substance and accidents. But before we get to that, mm-hmm. before we uh, dive into philosophy, uh, I want to share with you a beautiful little uh, story that can help us better understand this. And it comes from St. Jose Maria Escriva. Oh, so wonderful. Yeah. So those of you who are joining us from St. Anthony Parish, uh, in Gaines, you will um, remember this because I shared this with our first communicants for their first Holy Communion Mass. Mm. I was able to preach for that. So St. Jose Maria Escriva, when he was teaching about uh, the Blessed Sacrament, the presence of our Lord, right? He asked this beautiful question to the kids and they understood it. 
so uh, so well, and I think many of us do when we when we really think about it. He asked them, "What's the difference between a crucifix?" And he pointed to the altar cross. And what is the difference between the Blessed Sacrament, hmm. uh, the host itself, right, pointing to the tabernacle where Jesus resides in the tabernacle? And we know that because there's a red light glowing outside the sanctuary lamp that tells mm-hmm. us that he is present there, right? He is dwelling there in that ark. Uh, and so the little kids, after thinking about it, uh, one little boy raised his hand and said, the difference is that the cross looks like he's present, but he's not present. It's just a symbol. It's a sign. Mm, smart okay? kid. Jeez. Very smart. <laughs> they were well, well educated and well catechized. Uh, And he said, the blessed sacrament does not look like he's present. It Mm. looks like it's just mere bread and wine. But we know that he really is present. Wow. Right? That's that's deep. (laughs) Uh, I think he is. Uh, He may well be. Um, Let's just unpack what I just said there. The, The cross itself looks like he's present, right? But he's not. So it's a symbol. We know that. Pictures of our relatives we have hanging in the house looks a lot like them, but we know that it's not them. It's just a representation of them. Mm -hmm. The host itself that is consecrated at Mass that we receive, right, does not look like he's there. Mm -hmm. But faith tells us that he is, right? St. Thomas Aquinas says that in his beautiful hymn to the Blessed Sacrament, he says, what our senses, right, our five senses, taste, smell, sight, hear, and touch, mm-hmm. yep. what our senses fail to fathom, what our senses fail to understand, and we'll talk a little bit more about that, let us grasp, let us understand with, fate, with fate's consent. I think that yeah. is a beautiful way to dive into this philosophical idea or terms of substance and accidents, right? Yeah, I actually pulled that up while you were saying that, uh, Father. The the uh, name of the hymn is Adoro Te Devote, which Thank you. Yeah. is sometimes in, when we put it into English is called Godhead Here in Hiding. And the second verse actually says, seeing, touching, tasting are in thee deceived in speaking to the Eucharist itself. Mm-hmm. Um, house has trusty hearing that shall be believed. What God's son has told me, take for truth I do. Truth mm-hmm. himself speaks truly, or there's nothing true. Mm-hmm. So all what I've been taught through the church by Jesus Christ about the Eucharist, that's what Thomas Aquinas is trying to tell us. Like, that's what I need to take as, on faith. That's what, that's what this mystery is surrounding, is this, is this central truth of who is present in the Eucharist. Hey Amen. That's beautiful. Thank you for bringing that up. I love that part where it says, where Christ tells me, divine mm-hmm. revelation himself tells me. That's why we believe it. Right, Because at the Last Supper, when he instituted the Eucharist himself, he said, this is my body, this is my blood. He didn't say this is a symbol. This is, he said, this is, this is the reality. And because he said it, we as faithful Catholics believe that it's him. Right, and we but, know that in, in John 6, that's the very famous chapter of John's Gospel, where Jesus like refuses to back down, refuses to say like, oh, I was just making a parable. I was just making a comparison after having said, unless you gnaw upon the flesh of the son of man, you will not have life within you. And everybody's trying to get him to kind of break that down and explain that. He was like, that's, that's broken down. (laughs) That is the basis. You can't get any clearer than that. Mm -hmm. John six. That's right. The bread of life Mm -hmm. discourse. 
when many of those who were following him, right, even from the beginning, uh, when he preached this, this particular article of faith, this truth, uh, they could not, uh, they couldn't, uh, many couldn't understand it. Many understood it, but could not just fathom it. And yeah. so what happened, Jen? They walked away. Right. They, they walked left. away because it was not their time. It was not their hour. Right. And Jesus was so convinced of this truth. I mean, I say convinced. That's the wrong. He was so adamant about this right. truth that he turned to his own apostles and said, will you leave also? Because right. he was like, there's no there's no turning to the apostles and saying, like, I was just kidding, you know, right. behind no. his hand. It was, okay, well, this is the truth. Are you going as well? And they said, Lord, where shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Yeah, many times we see that in parables where our Lord might take his disciples, especially the inner circle, Peter, James, and John, explain deeper mm -hmm. uh, its meaning. But this was pretty clear. He, he didn't have to elaborate on it. It right. was, as we say, you know, no pun intended, but gospel truth. Yeah. And, uh, you know, many people left. And, and had he not been serious about it, no doubt he would have called after them and said, come back. You know, I'm just... Yeah, you misunderstood. Correct. No, he let them go because th mm -hmm. this, brothers and sisters, is the truth. Yeah. And Christ tells us that. Like, he tells us that he's going to be with us until the end of time. Mm -hmm. He does that many different ways when he ascends to the Father. He sends the Holy Spirit. He, he, he finds a church, right? He unites us as the body of Christ where he's present there. Two or more present. Uh, in, two or more in my name, right? I am present. And in, a, in, a, in another way, he substantially is present to his body, blood, soul, and divinity mm -hmm. in the Blessed Sacrament, where he remains with us until the end of time. Right. A slave, again, not just on the cross, yeah. but continually in the Eucharist, in the host. Yeah, a slave of love for us. Right. And, right. and, and so in, in that beautiful um, gift of himself, he's giving himself through the, through the bread and through the wine, which are transubstantiated. That's right which is a big fun word, um, mm -hmm. into his body, blood, soul, and divinity. But they, these, these, um, these signs that have become both sign and reality now, not just a symbol of Christ's body and Christ's blood, but rather the sign and the reality, they still taste and look and smell like what they used to. And that's because of something that Father just mentioned that we call the... Um, the philosophical term is we call these the accidents. The accidents, that which remains. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So like Jen said, that beautiful word of transubstantiation, that's what Catholics believe. We don't believe in a consubstantiation. Con meaning existing with, right? Mm -hmm. Trans is is to be changed. Mm -hmm. So the bread and wine change the substance, the thing that makes it what it is, right? A substance is is think of it as a subject. Okay, mm -hmm. the thing we're talking about, the thing that is a whole, right? So like I am a substance, uh, gin is a substance, a tree is a substance, a bear is a substance, this computer is a substance, right? Um, but the accidents, right, differ. Mm -hmm. The accidents differ. The accidents could be like, for an example, uh, if tree is the substance, right, an accident of the tree, such as uh, whether it's tall or short, whether its leaves are green or orange, whether it has one branch or two branches like the Charlie Brown Christmas tree, right? <laughs> or like a full-grown tree which has many branches, right? These, this, this is what an accident is. An accident is what our 
five senses、mm-hmm. can perceive. Right, right. That's what remains. That、yeah. so while it still looks like bread and wine, while it still feels like bread and wine, these accidents,、mm-hmm. while it still smells like bread and wine, while it still tastes like bread and wine, right? We know that the substance itself substantially changes、yeah. sacramentally into the body, blood, soul, and divinity. Yeah, I think a good way to describe it would be so, like accident. We don't mean accident in the sense of like a whoops sort of right. accident. Right. No, no, no.、Um, but an accident in the sense of like I, as a, a human female woman.、Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, female woman. That's kind of redundant. That's all right. <laughs>、um, you are a woman. I, yeah, I am woman. <laughs>、um, you know, I have a certain. Um, accident of what my voice sounds like, of、mm-hmm. my hair color, of my skin color,、um, eye color, whatever those、right. accidents might be, but those don't affect the substance of who I am.、Right. Like、I, no matter my hair color, no matter my skin color, no matter whatever I change about myself externally, substantially, I am still. There's an essence to、Correct. me that is unchanged. Right, right.、Um, you are like other women, right? Because、right. that's what makes you woman. Right. <laughs>、uh, but the fact that Jennifer is strong, right? Because she works out a lot. That's an accident. <laughs> yes, right. Right.、Um, But yeah, so, so the accidents, the、mm-hmm. accidents is what remains, and and rightly so because if it was so perceivable,、uh, Jennifer, if the if the Eucharist was so. Um, well, like what most people would think it is, right, or want it to be, then it wouldn't acquire faith. It wouldn't require faith. No, it would it be,、wouldn't. you know, the fact that the substance itself, faith tells us it changes,、mm-hmm. and it does. Christ Himself tells us that the accidents, right, remain what we perceive is because it takes faith to bring us beyond that, right, and beyond takes, the physical. That's the metaphysical.、Yeah. So the so what our five senses perceive is the physical world, but we know. As humans, that there's a world beyond the physical,、mm-hmm. right? And we know that because we're a composite. We're made up of body, right? And both, soul, and、mm-hmm. our soul, our our spirit can can perceive the what's beyond the physical, the five senses, and that brings us to the medical, metaphysical, right? Right.、Beyond. And that's、yeah. where we get. Yeah, in, into the deeper,、uh, mm-hmm. and I think too, different knowledge. Yeah, I think too on the same、um, the same vein as you were, you were just talking about that it requires faith from us.、Um, Because we are a composite, and because we aren't just like animals that you know rely on our senses、Correct. for understanding right. everything, right. we have to realize that we're called to something greater and called、mm-hmm. to something higher. And so we, as as these beings with body and soul, yes, we have these beautiful senses that we use in、Absolutely. liturgical practices. Yeah.、Um, but we also have、bells、the soul, right? The bells and smells. <laughs> we love them, and they're、right. awesome. Um, but we also have the soul that uses the five, what we call faculties of the soul.、Mm-hmm. So the imagination, the emotions, memory, intellect, and the will,、yep. in order to shape us into, you know, these people who are not just reliant on the physical realm to to teach us.、Mm-hmm. Um, we, you know, we don't we don't imagine that the Eucharist has changed because it is actually changed. Right. But we can use our imagination and and those emotions that the Mass you know brings sure, up sure. in us to to lift us towards like you know maybe I'm going to Mass and I'm having a really hard time believing. I can use my memory. Mm-hmm. To remember the times when no, remember that time you're in adoration and the Lord affected you so profoundly, and how you know that that wasn't just you, 
Um, I can use my intellect. Well, I've studied John 6. I have I have listened to homilies. I've listened mm-hmm. to the Boost podcast right. <laughs> and, been, <laughs> and been well formed by, um, by teachers and by priests. So I know I can use my intellect and then I can use my will to decide. To assent to. Yeah, to assent to what the Lord is telling me is true. Yeah, beautifully said. Absolutely, Jen. And that's what separates us from the rest of the animal kingdom, right? Because we are animals, we are creatures, but we're rational Mm -hmm. creatures. We, brothers and sisters, are made in the image and likeness of God. We have an intellect, we have a will, we have a memory, we have control of our emotions, imagination. We have all that, right? Mm -hmm. Where animals act on instincts, learned behaviors, etc. And we can use all of this to ascent, to lift us higher, right? All through God's grace because grace likens us to god mm-hmm. beautifully said and so that's how we deal with that question of of why they still look and taste mm-hmm. the way that they do um so our second question that we got um in regards to the eucharist was um like we, we kind of melded a couple questions into one to get this one but what are the proper dispositions for receiving the eucharist right. so how should i be prepared to receive him. Sure. Um, and I think there there are a lot of levels there. Um, we know about the idea of, of fasting for mm-hmm. an hour before we receive the before yep. we receive the Eucharist. Yep. Which is still in place, we should still be doing that. Yeah. And that's so important, not because um, you know, so much of the time when you're younger, you have to be told what to do in order to do what's right. But as mm-hmm. you get older, um, you need to look beyond just the being told into the why right. to understand it um, so that you can grow. Um, like you, you tell your kids not to eat dirt because it's not good for them when, right. they're, when they're five years old right, and they're right. in, the, in the dirt, <laughs> playing in the dirt. But when they turn 10 and 15, like you're not just going to keep telling them don't eat mm-hmm. dirt. You're going to explain to them why you don't eat dirt. Sure. Um, so as we grow as Christians, as Catholics, we need to, you know, be willing to learn about the, the why, the question of why. Right. So we fast for that hour before receiving the Eucharist, not because we're just imposing suffering on ourselves and we're, you know, just trying to have this kind of odd, like, time of, of pointless self-denial, but rather because now we live in Louisiana and we love food. Mm. <laughs> Food is very good. We love food. Yes, and we that do. Is, there's nothing wrong with that as long as it's, you know, in, in moderation. <laughs> we love our food. Yep. But we realize in that fasting um, the, uh, the unseen reality that this, this bread, this body that I'm about to receive is that which sustains me beyond anything that this earthly realm right, could provide. Right, beyond the physical. Mm-hmm. So, the physical and more so the spiritual. Right. So we are preparing ourselves for that in abstaining from this earthly food that we don't need for an hour, you know, unless, of course, you have a medical condition and there's always an exception for that. Um, But when you're capable of of abstaining from food and and drink beyond water Mm -hmm. for an hour, um, you're preparing yourself to receive that that which is beyond that which is mm-hmm. divine right um you're kind of purifying yourself yep. from those desires of of the sure. earthly food and it's using the physical again to help us with the spiritual mm-hmm. by creating that hunger right yeah but not just a hunger for a physical substance right because the holy eucharist does feed us physically right that's the accident but the substance itself feeds us mm-hmm. spiritually and that's yeah. what we're hungry that we're really hungering for that we are using our emotions and all those things to 
help us, mm -hmm. our appetites yeah, yeah. to help us desire and to crave our Lord more, the true yeah. food of uh, heaven and earth. Amen. Yeah, and so we've prepared by fasting. And another way that we prepare is is more of a, a preparation of our souls and our hearts. We make sure and we examine our consciences. We make sure that we're not guilty of any mortal sin. Correct. Um, and Father, why don't you talk about why that's so necessary um, to be free of mortal sin before you receive the Eucharist. Sure. As Absol opposed to being absolutely. free of venial sin, which that's there's right. a difference there. Yeah, and there is a difference, and, I, and, and we'll think touch upon that on another mm -hmm. podcast but just to briefly you know uh lay some foundation the difference between mortal venial sin right venial sins are the sins that wound our relationship with the lord uh, mortal sins is that relationship that uh those the the uh i'm sorry mortal sins is what doesn't wound our relationship it kills our relationship yeah. with the lord and so if we're not in right relationship with the lord we can't come up to Holy Communion expecting to receive God's love and grace and mercy if we haven't yet asked for it, mm -hmm. right? If we're not right with Him. Yeah. Uh, that's like uh, getting into an argument with a friend, but never reconciling it and pretending like, you know, like we're all good, right. but it's yeah. not. There's, yeah. there's some injustice that's been there. Mm -hmm. So like justice needs to happen. Uh, you know, reconciliation needs to happen. But it's also, it's it's for our own protection, Jen. It's yeah. talking about, I think we talked about it last time, about the um, the Jewish idea of uh, profaning things, right? right? With the clean coming in mm -hmm. to un uh, contact with the um, unclean. And again, mm -hmm. it's not that we who are unclean, right? And St. Paul says all of us fall short of the grace of God, right? All of us are sinners. But... It's, it's so that we don't do further harm to that relationship with the right, Lord. Right, right. It's something that we can't necessarily physically see happening either, Correct. which is sometimes um, a reason why a lot of people are like, well, I don't have to go to confession. I don't have to go to the sacrament of reconciliation first because nothing bad happened when right. I received the Eucharist in a state of mortal right. sin. Or I don't feel like I've sinned or wronged the Lord. Right. Right? We can't. Sometimes, sometimes it's very evident mm -hmm. when we commit sin. We mm -hmm. feel it spiritually. Uh, sometimes we can't. And, and that could be a host of many reasons, you know. Uh, maybe right. it's a lifetime of just uh, not tuning into that, not recognizing it, ignoring it, numbing it, right? But it's there. The reality yeah. that it's there, whether we can sense it or not. When, when, when we take on sin, right, like it's there. It, it ruins the soul. Yeah, and we're not shooting for... Um, just simply being content on earth here. We're shooting for heaven. Correct. And so if I get to the end of my life and I think like, oh, well, I've just done it the way I want to do it and, and the Lord will accept that, um, that's not always the case. That, like sometimes we, we choose the right path when we're, un, when we're not well formed and we happen to choose it well, um, but that's not always the case and that's not always, that's not a safe way to that's not a safe way to, to handle the soul that you've been gifted with. Correct. So yeah, this gift of your soul that you've been given, you have to take care of it. You have to do right by the Lord who's gifted it to you. You can't right. take it for granted and still expect that the heavenly reward will be yours. Um, mm -hmm. And so when we talk about, or even when St. Paul talks about yeah. um, in um, in the first letter to the Corinthians. Corinthians chapter 11, verses 27. Yeah, that was the first time I read that it was like, like I had no idea how to deal For with it. For if you eat and drink 
the body and blood of Christ without honoring. Another translation is without discerning Mm. or in an unworthy manner, he or she eats and drinks judgment unto themselves. Right. And there's no, you know, the only escape for that is, again, going to the sacrament of reconciliation and asking for for that forgiveness um, of that mortal sin. And again, it's not we're not trying to say that like the Lord is just angry with us all the time and that he's just making up these rules because he hates us. And it's, it's just such a pain for us to be, you know, he, he's in love with us. He is. He is so deeply in love with us that he wants us to know because he is so pure that we're going to be causing ourselves, you know, we're going to be coming into danger if we don't follow these laws because he's like, it's like a, it's like a loving parent. Like Mm -hmm. I'm not telling you to not eat dirt because I hate you. I'm telling you to not eat dirt because I love you so, so, so much. And I know that that's not healthy for you. Because right now, um, even though we don't understand it, Mm-hmm. He understands and he, he knows. He's that loving parent who knows, who who wills the good of the other. That's what love is. You use that beautiful word, love, that the Lord loves us. It's, you're right. It's about relationship. Mm-hmm. It's all about relationship, right? If we look at the Holy Eucharist and what it does for us and being in relationship with, with God, it makes perfect sense, right? Um, so if God is the giver of this gift, right, which is grace, that's what we receive when we receive our Lord in the Holy Eucharist. That's what we receive when we receive every single sacrament, yeah. which is grace. It's a gift from God. It's aid from God so that we could be like him, right? Yeah. He recognizes that we can't, on our own, we can't be like him, right? That's why he sent his son to become like us so that in becoming like us in all things but sin, he helps us He uh, by giving us grace, by giving us himself, It that likens us to the Lord. Right. And that's the relationship, right? And so when we come to Holy Communion and we receive our Lord in the sacrament and we receive grace, we receive his very self, we become who we consume, right? We we become hopefully who we eat if we're practicing, if we're living, if we have that disposition, right? Mm -hmm. If we're docile. What what do we receive? We receive himself. We receive eternal life. Fulton Sheen has this beautiful section in his uh, book, The Priest is Not His Own. He talks about that. He says, when we go to Holy Communion, when we approach the communion line, when we approach the altar rail, when we receive our Lord in the Blessed Sacrament, Body, Blood, Soul, and Divinity, we receive eternity. And because we receive eternity, because we receive this great gift, right, we have to give something of ourselves to the Lord. Mm-hmm. We have to. Or we're just, if not, then we're, he, he says, if we don't, if we don't, give something to our, uh, of ourselves to the Lord, then we're nothing more than a parasite yeah. on the body of Christ. We're nothing more than someone who takes, 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 but never gives, right? right. We steal from him. And that's the essence There's, of love is to give of, of ourselves correct. fully. And what kind of relationship is that if, if someone only takes but never gives, right? Mm-hmm. Relationships are most beautiful, right? When, when it's mutual of two people, right? Giving themselves completely in a free act, a gift of self. And so yeah. if we're going to receive Holy Communion and we're going to stand in line and we're going to expect to receive grace in eternity, what is it that we're giving him? Well, we're giving him our joys. Yes, we're giving him our, our the good, the bad, and the ugly. We're giving <laughs> him our sin. Yeah. But we give that to him in the sacrament of confession. Right. So that way when we give this, when we release our sins, our burden, 
right? And we submit them to the power of the keys, which he himself said to do, right? Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. When we submit that to, to the power of the keys, and, and that's forgiven uh, through absolution, then we can know without a shadow of a doubt that our Lord Jesus washes those sins away. He doesn't cover it. Mm-hmm. He washes it away in his precious blood. God sees it no more. We make room now for him in our life. Mm-hmm. We can now properly receive that gift, that present, that right. eternal life <laughs> that he's wanting so badly to give to us. Why? Because he loves us, because he's in relationship with us. That's why we have to be in, in right relationship with him so we can mm-hmm. have the capacity to receive what he is giving, to make room for him. You can't receive something if you're not open to it and if you don't have the room, the capacity to receive that yeah. gift. Yeah, and I think on that same note, um, all of that beautiful um, you know, information that you were just giving us, Father, really helps us to center why we're responding in the way we respond at Mass. Mm-hmm. Um which, you know, so, you know, if that's, if that's the beautiful, you know, scene with which we're presented by our Lord who loves us so deeply, then what can I do but respond as well as humanly possible? Right. Um, and what that looks like is full and active participation in mm-hmm. the Mass. So when I am responding to the priest, I'm responding intentionally. I'm responding with, uh, you know, not like shouting, but with like with an, a volume of someone who is convicted as to what they're doing. Like, you know, the Lord be with you and with your spirit. Like, right. I'm not just, you know, reciting my lines like it's a play and I'm not actually invested in what's happening. Right. Um, you know, not a lot of people like to sing in, in church sometimes because they're like, well, I can't sing. That's OK. That's we, okay. If we sing together, you can't hear the right. one person. And if the Lord so as okay. a, a priest who I studied with uh, once beautifully said, and I use it a lot, mm. uh, if the Lord gave you a bad voice, give it back to him. There you go. <laughs> so give it back. But you're right, Jen. Yeah. It's that full, active, conscious participation. Mm-hmm. So when the priest says the body of Christ, we yes. respond Amen, which yeah. means I believe, I, believe. I consent. This is true. Right. And I never I never take the Eucharist from the priest. Again, like Father was saying, I receive, you it, receive it into right. my hand with, you know, I'm, I'm sh- again, being intentional, stretching right. out my hands. Making a throne for making him. Making the little throne of my hands, which sounds very simple and childlike, but that's exactly but that's what, what he calls to be. to be, be childlike. Yeah. So, you know, I'm, I'm extending my arms right. completely. I am looking at the Eucharist, I'm responding fully and actively, amen, to mm-hmm. this gift of what I'm receiving. Or if I'm receiving on the tongue, I'm not like, <laughs> I'm not doing the slot machine thing is what one of my right. friends says. Um, you know, the I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not like <laughs> licking the priest's fingers. I'm, I'm tilting my head back, opening my right. mouth and trusting. And, and truly and allowing the Lord to feed you. Right, exactly. Right. right. So all of these things um, are ways in which I fully and actively participate in in that love story that's being presented mm-hmm. to me so beautifully during yeah. the Mass. And while we're on the subject, I think it's important to touch upon, Jen, is there a way that we can actively participate without the externals? Is there a way that we can internally participate? Yes. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> in fact, soccer sanctum concilium, yeah. I probably just butchered that. No, it's good. Uh, but even says that an internal participation, mm-hmm. right, 
is more important than just the externals. It's not just the hand gestures. It's not just the verbal things we say and do and the sit standing and kneeling, mm-hmm. but it's also that disposition. It's, right. it's the prayerful disposition of, of really just meditating upon the word of God, taking it in, praying with that. That too is an act of way of participating it's a i mean it it proves our sacramentality as human persons exactly because you know it's it's just like the use of candles that's the, the use soul of incense. part yeah. right it's it's what's beyond those things um so actually yeah you brought us really well into our next question father um so we had someone ask about uh about why why do we kneel after receiving the eucharist and remain kneeling until the Eucharist is replaced in the tabernacle. Beautiful question. Um, yeah, really great question. Yeah, why do we sit stand Neil? Why does mass uh, seem almost sometimes like aerobics, it's, right? It's Catholic, Simon says. Right. Um, <laughs> but yeah, let's talk about positions for a moment because we're talking about we are sacramental beings. Mm-hmm. So we have physical outward appearances, outward actions that inform a spiritual reality. Um, so sitting, standing, and kneeling, what are we, what are we doing? Right. What, yeah. what are we showing when so we do those you, things? You just touched on an important part, right? Like not only, so man, again, we keep saying is a composite body, soul, right? This is important. This is our, uh, this is our human anthropology. We need to understand this. So we don't just um, worship with our spirit, right? The internal, but we also use the external, the physical. And that is where kneeling, standing, and sitting comes into mm-hmm. play, right? So like, why do we stand? Well, we stand because it's out of respect, it's right. out of attention, right? Think about it. If the President of the United States would to, to walk in uh, this room right now or anywhere, what would you do? Or a judge, right, right. in a court would walk in. We used in. to have to do it when our principal came in. Right. Exactly. <laughs> good, good. So it, it, it's teaching us, right, to, we, well, we would stand yeah. out of respect. Yeah. Out of, ma- for the dignity of that that person or the the office which they hold, right? Yes. So it's um, a sign of attention and a sign correct, of respect. Correct. Correct. So that's why we stand at mass out of respect. Mm-hmm. For, and think for, about the times when we stand too. Yeah. We stand at the beginning of mass when that representative of Jesus on the cross and the priest, mm-hmm. both who represent Jesus Christ, are walking into the church. Right. To gr- to greet them. We stand at the gospel. Right. Acc- uh, well, the gospel proclamation. Right. And um, the gospel itself. Mm-hmm. We stand for the uh, prayers of the faithful. So when we are petitioning the Lord in a particular way, we are being respectful, we are being attentive, Mm -hmm. and we are standing in our full human dignity and asking for those things that we desire. So those are kind of the three main points of, or four main points? There's three. I don't know. Um, Several main points of the Mass where we stand. Um, So what about sitting? Sitting is a posture of listening. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's a posture of meditation. And we know this best, right, as former students or as students, Ah, if if there's some (laughs) students listening now. We're all students. We're always always learning. learning. (laughs) But we sit when someone teaches us, right? It's a posture of listening, Mm. of of taking things in. So when when will we sit in the Mass? For the readings, Mm -hmm. right? Listening to the Word of God being proclaimed. the homily, right, when the preach is exhorting, the priest is exhorting us, right, is, is opening up Holy Scripture, giving us some good exegesis, and then exhorting us, right, telling us how this applies to our life, how we could be better uh, Christians, better, like, saints, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we sit during the offertory, too, which for do. a long time I didn't think about that until I really started researching the, the re- places and reasons why we do certain actions. And honestly, like the, the offertory is one of the most beautiful meditative points of the Mass 
because that's where we're bringing these physical gifts up. But remember, there's always a physical and a spiritual aspect Mm -hmm. to what we do in the liturgy. And so it's also a time where spiritually I am lifting certain things up to the Lord and placing those things on the altar. So any of the prayer intentions I have in my heart, um, any of the vices that I struggle with from day to day. Um, A friend of mine always said, like a spiritual director told him that um, the best thing to do is when these gifts are being presented is to put your your primary fault onto the pattern with the body. And to put all of your sorrows and sufferings and petitions into the chalice with the wine before it becomes the blood of Christ. Absolutely. Um, and so that's a really meditative moment that it's, for a long time I just completely ignored. Yeah. Um, so hopefully Beautiful. that's helpful for y'all listening next time you go to Mass. Like think about the offertory in a new way. Yeah. So often it gets looked over. Like, mm-hmm. oh, this is, a, this is the point where... Uh, you know, we sit down and the collection basin's coming around. And yeah, like, we're like shuffling our I'm purses. like, <laughs> sometimes I have money, right? I'll put it in. But if not, I'm going to like shamefully, whatever, uh, yeah. hide behind a missile or, or I'm not gonna make pretend. Eye contact to, with right, you. right. We've all <laughs> been the there, issues. right? We've all been there. Uh, it's, it's the time for time, talent, treasure, right? But as you were just saying, this don't let the offertory just be that, right? Because yeah. it's so much more. It's that time to really meditate and to think, uh, hopefully you've done it before Mass, but to, to, to recommit mm-hmm. what you are bringing yourself, right? Yeah. There's, in the early church, uh, the, the, the Christians would, would make the bread, they would make the wine, and they would bring it themselves. They mm-hmm. would prepare the gifts for the sacrifice, right? right? right. Uh, but this is also an opportunity for us to prepare the gifts for the sacrifice, which is ourselves, as you so beautifully yeah. said. It's to unite whatever it is that we need answered and transformed yeah. in our life mm-hmm. to the patent to the chalice so when the priest and this really ties into what we're talking about with the eucharist mm-hmm. when the priest offers mere bread and wine at that point in the mass at the offertory and he takes our intentions with it if we unite it right because he prays it's my sacrifice and yours he yeah. prays yeah. right that's what we're offering up yeah, and the, the the point that comes just before that, where where he where he does or the just after I don't know my timeline is off, but he says, "Lift up your hearts, we lift them up to the Lord." That's our sacrifice right there. Yep. That's what I'm lifting that, up to the Lord. The preface, yeah. That's my sacrifice. The Sursum Carta, absolutely. Mm-hmm. My sacrifice and yours, lift them up. We have lifted them up yeah. to the Lord. Mm-hmm. We have united it, as you so beautifully pointed out. We've placed it on the patent. We've placed it in the chalice. And what is offered to God in Jesus's name is transformed. If he can transform bread and wine and it becomes the body, blood, soul, and divinity, right? Through the power of the Holy Spirit, Mm -hmm. the same power of the Holy Spirit who transformed a lowly virgin into the mother of God, Mm -hmm. right? That same Holy Spirit can take your intentions and transform them and answer them. Absolutely. Very beautiful. So that brings us to our last one of kneeling. Mm -hmm. Um, So kneeling is, um, Romano Gordini has just a beautiful chapter on on, um, these positions that we take during Mass in, um, it's either Spirit of the Liturgy or uh, Sacred Signs, but pick up a Gordini book and read it and it's going to be great. Right. (laughs) Um, But this, where where we're talking about kneeling, you could probably guess based off of the other two what we're going to say, because kneeling is something that we see um, culturally, we see throughout history, that we kneel to particular people or in front of particular people um, 
and then so we can actually kind of take that and apply it to um, to the divine as well. Right. So kneeling is this idea of showing utmost reverence. It's an idea of showing humility because mm-hmm. if I'm standing straight and tall, there's not in the not in a bad sense, but there's a pride there. It's a it's a it's a, a proud moment for mm-hmm. me. If I'm kneeling, I'm having to show. Yeah, I'm having to shorten myself. I'm having to lower myself it to the ground. It brings us down. Yeah, it brings us down to the earth. And we are reminded of our own nature as creatures, you know, formed of clay. Right. Of um, our own human, yeah. Yeah. So, like, when you kneel to a king, when you kneel in front of, you know, if you're if you're a young man who's proposing to his, his girlfriend to become his fiance, you're going to kneel in front of her. You're going to uh, abase yourself a little bit and show her that she is something that is very important to you right. she is something that you adore that you that you cherish and so your your pride doesn't enter in to this to this scenario you are completely laying yourself out before her in total vulnerability and total humility and asking her you know the big question will mm-hmm. you marry me right um so kneeling has this connotation of 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 that vulnerability of that humility and that reverence that utmost reverence and and why do we kneel in mass because we are in the presence of the creator yeah. we're in the presence of god we're in the presence of him who is present body blood soul and divinity in mm-hmm. the holy eucharist yeah and so that kind of um really brings forth the question that sometimes people ask why do we kneel um, or why do we remain kneeling until the Blessed Sacrament is picked up? Right. Until the tabernacle is closed is because it's a pious practice that when, when, when our Lord is what we call exposed, mean, meaning he's, he's outside of the Blessed Sacrament, we can see him, mm-hmm. right? We show that great sign of reverence by kneeling. We do it in adoration, mm-hmm. right? Some of us do it when we receive Holy Communion, when we pass in front of a monstrance where he's exposed, right? And then the priest or the deacon will bring him to the tabernacle. We will do what we call repose. We'll pick him up, mm-hmm. right? And when the tabernacle door is closed, because he the sacred is no longer unveiled, but now veiled again, right? then... We can come out of that posture of reverence. Mm-hmm. And when Father says it's a pious practice, that means it's not necessarily a liturgical practice. Correct. Like, so what Father does on the altar, let's say during the Eucharistic prayer, that is something that is essential to liturgy. It is a liturgical action. Right. Um, a pious practice, on the other hand, one that, that doesn't detract from the liturgy, but rather enhances it, is something that is beautiful, it is reverent, it's something that helps us as human beings um, to kind of relate more to the divine and to be more focused on the divine. Um, So that means it's a very good thing to do, um, but it has grown out of a a popular devotion. So if you see someone not doing it, that's not necessarily something that they're, you know, forgetting to do or that they're not doing that they should be doing, but rather it's just an, an additional way to reverence the Lord. Mm -hmm. Um, And so what that allows us to do in reverencing the Lord, it gives us that time to pray and to ponder on who and what we have just received. It gives us that ability to just take a moment in the silence. And like, I wish we could have a whole episode on silence, but that would be a very quiet episode. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I know. I make great jokes. Um, but uh, I think when we first talked about doing this episode, Father, you had some really beautiful insight on what this time allows the, the lay person to do. Because you, as the priest, 
your you know you're cleaning um at the chalice you're cleaning all of the the vessels right. i forgot and, about that thank right, you for reminding yeah. me we <laughs> you, were talking about this. yeah so like talk talk a little bit sure. to that if you remember. so for, for those who like to follow uh with their eyes you know attentively at what happens at the altar which is beautiful very uh, might i add pope uh, i think it's one of the piouses i won't say the number because mm-hmm. i'm not certain but he said if you really want to pray the mass then follow with your eyes and, and many people do and so after communion you'll notice the deacon or the priest will um consolidate right bring the blessed sacrament back to the tabernacle but he'll also do this ritual of purification mm-hmm. of cleaning the sacred vessels making sure that there's no particles, even a tiny particle, right? Not to be like scrupulous or whatever, but to just make sure, because if we believe that this is truly our body, uh, mm-hmm. the Lord's body, blood, soul, and divinity, then it's truly the Lord's body, blood, soul, and divinity. Uh, it's like the Dr. Seuss book, right? Yeah. Uh, about um, a person's a person, no, no matter, matter how, how small. small. Yeah. Well, our Lord is our Lord, no matter how small. Like. When we receive the, the Eucharist, it's important to know, like whether it's a whole host mm-hmm. or it's a half a host or one fourth of a host or a, a part breaking off from the celebrant's main host or mm-hmm. or just a little or tiny just speck. The, the blood of, of Christ. Or just the blood of Christ. Or a tiny speck that falls to the floor. That is still, which God forbid it does, right? Mm-hmm. That's still our Lord, body, blood, soul, and divinity. So that's what the priest and the deacon is doing. They're purifying, they're making sure that all of these particles or properly consumed and none are left behind and there's beautiful prayers yeah. that we pray uh while we're doing it and it's uh what is i'm gonna forget it now that i'm trying to say it but i know <laughs> by heart what is past our lips O lord is food may we possess in purity of heart that what has been given to us in time may be our healing for eternity that's yeah. one of the prayers we pray um, at the altar. We have these specific prayers that Holy Mother Church asks the clergy to pray while we're doing this, mm-hmm. um, which are very beautiful prayers, very efficacious. Um, but you also have beautiful prayers. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, you know, I was telling Jen, I said, I know some people want, want to rush it and just hurry up and let's pray and then get mm-hmm. the final blessing and, and you know, move, move along. But to really take that time and to, as she said, to pray about what we are what we've just done, mm-hmm. okay, and who's inside of us, yeah. right? Our Lord has entered under our roof, yeah, a roof that we're not worthy, right? But that He comes to us to heal us, yeah, and to to make us like Him. And so to take that time and to to make prayers of thanksgiving, mm-hmm. right? While we're, while we're um, purifying the sacred vessels and and praying those prayers, you could be so beautifully praying prayers that. Or prayers that the church gives you, or prayers that have become your own. Yeah. Acts of thanksgiving for the Lord. Right. Or even just, I mean, sometimes words might escape you, and sometimes it might just be a moment of of silent contemplation. Um, Mother Teresa is really famous for answering the question of of adoration, like why why Mother do you do you just sit in adoration, or how do you do it? What what's going through your mind? And she said, I look at him, and he looks at me, and that profound connection of love was all that was needed in in those moments there will be moments where speech and and prayer needs to happen but there are also moments of just quiet i think anyone who you know um anyone who's held their their baby girl their baby boy for the first time their niece nephew any really any baby who's just sleeping peacefully in their arms um can attest to 
this you know this idea of just awe and 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 the miraculous beauty of this new life and the silence that right. that awe is encompassed in um and, and it's kind of the same idea yeah sometimes jen like that silence itself is speaks volumes right yeah, yeah. uh i think of couples right i think of the young couple who goes to the restaurant who's just starting to date and they're just chattering you know mm-hmm. they're, they're talking to one another and then I see often old couples who go in and they they say a few exchanges with each other, but most of the meals in silence, their time spent in silence. Why? Because nothing is needed. Nothing, yeah. nothing, you know, everything that needs to be voiced has already been voiced or that they have such an understanding and such an intimacy, intimacy such a deep relationship that the other already knows and anticipates mm-hmm. what that person is thinking yeah. or wanting to say. That's the beauty. That that comes from a lot of time spent with the Lord, though. Mm-hmm. That's that's a deep relationship. There is something I want to uh, leave you guys with, though. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't remember exactly where I came across this, but this is beautiful. I want to share it with you. Uh, so it's not my own. It's somebody else's. The Eucharist that we receive is not the Jesus before his own incarnation. Mm. It's not the Jesus at his birth. It's not the Jesus at his crucifixion. It is the risen Jesus who sits at the right hand of God. It is the Jesus of transformation and power. Brothers and sisters, that's who we receive in the Holy Eucharist. We receive the Jesus uh, who is raised from the dead, who sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, who makes intercession for us on our behalf, who is the sacrificial lamb, but is the Jesus of transformation and power. That's what we want. Mm -hmm. That's what we receive in the Holy Eucharist. Yeah, and that is what we want, Father, in the depths of our soul, even when we're not 100% sure with our minds. Right, even if we can't even articulate it. That's what what we're written on the human heart, on the soul. Yeah. The desire for God. Amen. Amen, indeed. Well, I hope we've answered some of your questions about the Blessed Sacrament. Um, If we haven't answered them all, please feel free to send more emails um, for more questions, and we will be happy to answer them in future episodes. Um, We look forward to our next AMA in a couple weeks here, probably... probably towards the end of next month we'll be recording another episode this time probably about the issue of sin and conversion um so any of those questions that might have popped up about mortal sin any and venial sin we'll be looking to answer those and any other questions about sin that y'all might want to send our way um next time so again the email address that you want to send those questions or episode ideas to would be st hillary church at htdiocese.org that's st hillary church at htdiocese dot org, and we're so glad. Thank you for joining us today, and we look Thank forward to yes. our next episode. Mm-hmm.